Welcome to Autism Knows No Borders. Discover what's possible when people impacted by autism inspire change and build community. Together with the Global Autism Project, here's your host, Rachel Harmon. Hello, everyone. Today, we're featuring two members of our SkillCore alumni community, Natalie Odio and Christina Flores. Natalie is a board-certified behavior analyst, or BCBA, and Christina is a board-certified assistant behavior analyst, or BCABA. Both from Miami, Florida, Natalie and Christina host their own podcast called Monday Morning Coffee, with a capital M-O on Monday where they aim to ease Monday mornings by discussing topics related to emotional support for other professionals in the field. The Global Autism Project provides sustainable clinical, administrative, and leadership training to autism centers seeking guidance. SkillCore is an opportunity for self-advocates and professionals to travel to our partner sites around the world and work directly with their local teachers and therapists. In today's conversation, we discuss why Natalie and Christina are passionate about working with the autistic population, the reasons for starting their podcast, personal and professional growth from doing SkillCore, cultural humility, fundraising for volunteer trips, lessons applied to coping with the pandemic, and tips for future SkillCore travelers. In this episode, discover what's possible when collaboration journeys onward. To learn more about Natalie and Christina, please visit our show notes at autismknowsnoborders.com. We appreciate your time. If you enjoy this podcast and you'd like to support our mission, please take just a few seconds to share it with one person who you think will find value in it too. You can also follow us on Instagram at Autism Podcast, join our Facebook group, Autism Knows No Borders, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Global Autism Project. And now I present you... Natalie Odio and Christina Flores. Hi, Natalie and Christina. Welcome to Autism Knows No Borders. Thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having us. Hi. Could you please briefly introduce yourselves? Let's start with you, Natalie. Sure. So I'm a board certified behavior analyst. I've been a BCBA now going on my third year. I am based in Miami, Florida, and I am a SkillCore alumni. All right. And Christina? So hi, I'm Christina Flores. I'm a board-certified assistant behavior analyst, BCABA. I've been in the field of ABA for about six years, going on seven now. I'm also based in Miami, more of like South Florida. And yeah, that's pretty much it. I'm also an alumni of SkillCore, and I'm super happy to be here. And thank you for having us. Yeah, I'm so excited to talk more about the trips that you guys went on. How did you guys meet, actually? Through a company that we used to work together for <laughs> way back when. Yeah, we were actually co-workers in the beginning, and it was more home-based. So the only interactions we had with one another was when we had our monthly like meetings and then study groups. So we were both studying for a board exam. And Christine and I both attended Saturday study groups at nine in the morning after having um, social skills groups. So we were very up into the company that we worked in. So we were always around one another. And then I think we both quickly realized that we had a lot of the same interest mm -hmm. and then kind of became that accountability partner for one another while studying. And then after that, we both went to separate companies. And that's when I heard of Christina joining SkillCore. And I was very interested in it. I was a part of her fundraising in the beginning. I saw all of her trips. And when she got back, she kind of motivated me and pushed me to apply for SkillCore. And then I got accepted. And that was kind of a bonding moment for us. And ever since then, we kind of went from colleagues to now business partners and really, really great friends. Cool. So let's actually take a step back and talk about how you first started working with the autistic population. So Christina, could you share first? Sure. So I was in my undergrad at FIU here in Miami, and I was actually in school being a bio major because I wanted to do like something with like pharmacy stuff. And then I slowly realized I do not like chemistry. So that didn't work out for me. 
And I thought about going into teaching, but I also have a cousin that has a son on the spectrum. And I was starting to notice more and more that this was growing. So I was really interested, like, oh, you know, I would love to work with this kind of population of children. So when I first started working with autistic children is through an internship at a doctor's office that just primarily worked with children with developmental disabilities through a biomedical approach. And I interned there for a year. And then I worked in kind of like a clinic setting in a research lab, but through a summer camp that did ABA all day through my university with children five and under. And from then on, it's history. That's pretty much it. (laughs) Nice. And Natalie, what's your story? How did you get involved in the field? Yeah. So interesting enough, I was doing my bachelor's at FIU. I was a psych major. So I thought I either wanted to do forensic psychology or be a mental health counselor. But very quickly, I realized that I'm a very emotional person and I can hardly deal with a lot of the things that I go through. And once I took an elective on the intro to applied behavior analysis, I was like, oh, this is an evidence-based science. And if we're not making progress, then we're not doing our job. Like, so I will see improvement. What? (laughs) And I loved it. And I took the rest of my courses that I needed. I was working full-time at an engineering firm and uh, was also a full-time student. I found a company that I could intern with. So I was doing like one to two clients. The first day that I had my first session with a client, my supervisor came and I loved it. Like I just instantly bonded with my client. I bonded with the family. The family was very willing to collaborate. Like you can tell that they were in a in a space where they needed some form of assistance because they weren't able to kind of do their daily activities because of what was going on, right? The behaviors that were interfering with that. And seeing how much we were a part of that growth, I I fell in love. I left that session. I applied for grad school with FIT. And within a year, a year and a half or so, I finished. I completed my supervision hours after the BCABA and then went on for the BCBA. So I kind of have experience with working in school, working in home. And now the past two years, I've been working in a clinical setting. And yeah. Okay, got it. So, you know, here at the Global Autism Project, we like to talk about our passion stations. I don't know, maybe you guys have heard our CEO, Molly, talk about this before, but a passion station is a memory that you reflect on that reminds you why you love doing what you do. This could be, you know, in any field, but it's usually related to a specific event or a person. And it's something that inspires and moves you. Because, you know, sometimes in our work, especially in the helping fields, we may feel stuck, like we don't have any motivation or energy, especially dealing with really intense cases, and we may feel tired or burnt out. So sometimes we question, like, is this the right path for us? But it's in these moments that you have to look back at your passion station and kind of like fill up, like a refuel of passion. So what's your passion station? Christina? That is a great question. (laughs) Very loaded. I would say for me, it's a lot of different aspects of my passion station. I think throughout the years, you do go through things that you burn out and you have to kind of take a step back. I think actually right before I went on my skill core trip, I didn't realize like how much I was burning out. And my skill core trip kind of like refueled my passion station. So... For me, I don't know if there's a very specific client, but I think it's more with me, the parents and the families, Mm. just seeing how much their daily lives change and how much more they can do through the services that I provide and we provide and how much it affects their quality of life, whether it has to do with personal relationship with their child, personal relationship with other family members, or seeing their child grow in their community with different skills. I think that for me is my passion station. And I also think that just what I've learned through my experience in my career, just that has affected my life so much. Meaning when I work with these children and when I went on my skill court trip, it just makes you think so much about the important things in life. And they see things from a whole different 
view of the world, you know? So sometimes I look at them and I see that they're always just trying to communicate with us, but it's a different form of communication. And when I look at different things that are happening, like it, it really is beautiful sometimes to see how much parents could love their children, even through adversity. And our clients go through so much adverse adversity every day, and especially this population, and how much they persevere. For me, it just inspires me and fuels my passion station to keep going because we're their biggest advocates. And that for me just fuels my career. So whenever I'm not having the best day, I'm not having the best week, I'm not having the best month at work, I try to think of those times. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> Natalie, how about you? What's your passion station? Yeah, that's hard to follow. That was really good, <laughs> Christina. I guess it's difficult for me to kind of pick one, but I have two, I guess I would say, as a supervisor and then as a clinician when I was a therapist. So initially, the second client that I had, I always resort to this client when I'm talking or I get super emotional about what it is that I do. Because very early on in my career as a therapist, it was easy to get kind of discouraged or feel like I didn't know enough or imposter syndrome. And specifically with this client, he was using an, an augmentative communication device when I first started, very little communication on it. I was fairly new, so I could tell the caregivers didn't have a lot of faith in me. But then our relationship kind of just progressed so beautifully and it was a working relationship. So then the caregiver and I were then working for the client's best interest in mind and watching my client then communicate with me on this augmentative communication device, which I didn't even know what ACD stood for before I started using this with him. And he would respond with yes and no and ask me for certain things on his device. And just seeing when someone has the means to communicate what it is that they need, how that can transpire. For me, that was amazing. And it was something that I never had really thought of prior to that. And then as a supervisor, I think in the last year or so, I have grown so much. I have questioned a lot of the teachings that I was given. I have done a lot of unlearning about certain things that I had learned and trying to use that with the therapist that I have, right, to question certain things, not to do things just because you're told to do them, but really understand and is it in line with what you value? And for me, that really, at least lately, is a huge passion of mine, is advocating for my clients, advocating for my therapist, and really working together. I would say that's one of the biggest things that I'm super passionate about right now. Wow, just hearing you guys talk about this, it's like refueling my own passion. <laughs> it's funny how that works, right? It's like contagious. Mm-hmm. So you guys also host your own podcast called Monday Morning Coffee, and you just released the first episode of season two. I saw that. Yes. So could you talk about what the premise of your podcast is and how the idea for it came about? Sure. So Monday Morning Coffee, and we capitalized the MO for Motivating Operation, is we kind of wanted it to be the motivating operation to start your week, right? Sunday or the weekend. Could you just explain what motivating operation is for people who don't know? Sure. So it's kind of increases the value of something, right? If we're talking about an establishing operation, which is what we wanted to do, was increase the value of Monday mornings. Because for a lot of people, they go to bed on Sunday already dreading, for some people, the fact that Monday morning or the next day is a work day, or if they're burnt out, or they're dealing with really severe behaviors that they don't really have someone in their corner or someone to talk about it, or they feel that they're the only one who is experiencing this, or the guilt around feeling, I don't want to go to work tomorrow. And at least for me and Christina, we had been experiencing this. And fortunately enough, I had Christina. We would have scheduled talks, unscheduled talks, where we would kind of just vent with one another. Things that we were experiencing in the field, whether we heard about, saw, things that we felt uncomfortable with. And then it kind of clicked where it was like, Maybe this is something where if we express what we're feeling, we can help other people on any scale. Like even if it was one person who was like, thank you for making me feel like I am not alone or I am also experiencing this game changer. Like I just thought like there's no way that we're the only ones who are feeling this. And it kind of just went from that wanting others to feel included, kind of building this community of collaboration, of support, of mentorship 
of not feeling judged if you, you know, sometimes you say something to a supervisor and if it's kind of just that professional relationship, you kind of hesitate because you're like, I don't want them to think that I don't love my job or that I don't want to be here. I do. But there's days where guess what? My cup isn't at 100% full. And if I tell this person this, are they going to have this different perception of me? So we wanted to kind of build this community where you don't have to think twice. I am a BCBA. I also experience this. I do not know all things. And you are not alone. And just hearing other people's story and having people tell us different topic ideas that they are feeling, honestly, is just like, wow. It really is just something that I'm super passionate about that I hope continues, whether it's with us or other people kind of building their own thing. And honestly, just building that dialogue, whether it's through the podcast or just having people engage in these conversations within their work environment, with their therapist, with their supervisor. I hope we get to the point where they can be vulnerable and transparent and tell their therapist how they're feeling. But that was kind of the basis behind it. Yeah, we wanted to build something that were for therapists. I think a lot of times in the ABA field, it's like something that's unspoken until it's super bad and you're about to quit, you know? All the time we hear of people getting to their breaking point, having a huge wall of just being so burned out for weeks at a time. And they talk about these things and they just get to a point where like, I'm leaving the field and these are great clinicians. And I think for us is that we kept feeling these things, but no one was really talking about it. And we would talk about it kind of with our friends, but also we were home-based at the time. So we didn't really get to interact with our coworkers a lot of the time unless we were in the office. And if we did interact with coworkers, it was our supervisor. And when you're just starting out in the field, I mean, you don't want to tell your supervisor, I'm not confident. Same thing with Natalie said. So I think we wanted to start this ABA community and just be there for supervisors and therapists as well and let them know like, hey, you're not alone. People think about this all the time. People have these feelings. It's okay to be scared of Monday. It's okay to get those Sunday scaries, but it's not okay to stay there. It's not okay to be in that position for a long time. So we talk about this ABA community and reaching out and getting support and getting help because the field has such a high percentage of burnout. You know, it's pretty crazy. And it's also crazy because we have all these tools, self-management and things that we can use, but we also need support. We need help from friends, you know? So mm-hmm. I'm really happy that we started this and we're getting all this feedback from people pretty much all around the world, you know, listening in and telling us like, hey, thank you so much for talking about this because I went through this too and it makes me feel supported and validated, you know, in what I'm feeling. Yeah. And you cover a wide range of topics too from the need for post-certification supervision and mm-hmm. the stress of managing complex caseloads to what it's like to date a behavior analyst where <laughs> yeah. you brought Natalie's boyfriend on your show to talk <laughs> about his perspective. Yes. Yeah, I think that was really important for us because when we were mm-hmm. thinking about topics in the beginning and we didn't want it to be because at first it felt like, oh my gosh, everything was negative or we're these pessimistic behavior analysts who just have negative things to say about the field. Yes. But it's things that we actually go through, right? You start dating someone, they're like, oh, are you analyzing my behavior? (laughs) Or not really understanding like what we go through. I see eight clients in one day. When I get home, like I need a lot of attention. I need someone to validate what it is that I'm going through. I need to be able to talk about what my day looked like without invading, you know, without compromising HIPAA and things like that and having my partner understand that. So I think that was super all these topics that people probably didn't even know they needed to hear being talked about. We also like to have different perspectives. We like to grow with our podcast. And we always say, if you don't agree with us, let us know. If you have a different side, let us know, you know, because we want to grow and we want to understand different views of things too. Yeah. What are your plans for season two? I think our biggest thing is listening to our viewers. So doing a lot of Q&As, seeing what they want our topics to be about, and then also diversity. So having people from different parts of the world, so our listeners or people in the States can see what ABA is like in other parts of the world. Like our first guest, holistic behaviorist. Who would have ever thought, right? (laughs) A holistic behaviorist? What are you guys talking about? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That right? Like maybe it's something you didn't even know. We talked about having a wellness coach or having a BCBA be a wellness coach 
So offering things that aren't necessarily always talked about in the world so that our listeners are getting this knowledge that they might have not received or known of had it not been for our podcast. Um, and then also more controversy. We love... We like to push the boundaries. <laughs> yeah. Just because, again, those are those like topics where you don't necessarily feel comfortable talking about in a workplace environment or with your supervisor, but they're thoughts that you have where, am I doing this? Should I be doing this? Is this Okay. Mm-hmm. I know that this is what I was taught, but I don't feel comfortable. So a lot more of those topics, whatever it may be, and listening to our listeners, our everyday experiences. So if something new happens to us, or we're like, ooh, this would be a great topic because I'm sure it's happened to somebody else. Yeah, I think sometimes with ABA, where you live and where you work, I kind of feel like you get in a bubble. Like Miami is a very big ABA bubble. We're kind of a little bit sheltered. And Skill Corps actually taught me that when I went to New York for a training before the trip where I met all these people in the field from California, from Virginia, from North Carolina, from Texas, and they all had different things going on and different aspects of working in the field. And I didn't know that. I didn't know a lot of things and even, you know, in all across the world. So I think having the podcast and having different people on like the holistic behavioralist is from Delaware, you know, talking about her experiences, it's going to help people grow and understand the field better. Yes. Well, definitely keep up the good work, ladies. Our field needs more voices like yours to hang out with on Monday mornings. (laughs) So switching topics, you know, we've been mentioning SkillCore a lot and maybe we could just dive into that. So where have you traveled to and when was your trip? Natalie, you want to go first? Sure. So I went in 2019. I went to Prague in the Czech Republic. And so ironically, it was the last trip before COVID hit. And unfortunately, Skill Corps hasn't been able to travel since that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. We haven't. And yeah, you had heard about it from Christina. Yes. I decided, well, when you do Skill Corps, you pick three places. And I picked the farthest places. <laughs> okay. I picked Indonesia, China, and India. So I actually got picked to be on the Indonesian team. So I went to Jakarta, Indonesia in July 2018. I can't believe it's going to be almost three years since my trip. That's right. And we talked about how we were at orientation together in New York, yes. but we, we actually didn't cross paths that weekend. Which now looking back, school court is such an um, out of your comfort zone mm-hmm. thing to do that looking back, I wish that I would have just been like, you know, the social butterfly that I am now more (laughs) and been like, Hey, I'm Christina, like, nice to meet you type of thing, which I did a little bit, but it's hard. You know, it's a lot of different professionals from different walks of life in different places. And at the time, I just passed my BCABA exam. Like I literally got the results a week before I left for my trip. So I was like, Whoa, this is really Mm. crazy. Like now I'm a different professional, you know? So next time, When I go, I'm going to make sure I'm a social butterfly so I can meet everybody like you too. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the orientations have been growing too. I think at the one that we were at, there was about 50 people there. Mm -hmm. And the last one, maybe yours, Natalie, they were close to 100. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. It can be overwhelming. So can you guys describe a moment from your trips that surprised, inspired, or moved you? It could be about a particular student, teacher, or even team member. Christina, you want to go first on this one? There's so many from mine. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think for me, I can't really say a specific moment. I think for me, there were so many moments, but the overall theme of all these moments was just being inspired by the woman of the center, Ruma Tiara in Jakarta, Indonesia. Shout out to Rani. Shout out to Ronnie, shout out to Hotik, shout out to Linda. Love them. <laughs> hey, Linda. Hopefully she hears this because she remembers my voice. And I'm like, I would wake up in the morning and go to the center and be like, Linda <laughs> at 8.30. But anyways, <laughs> so some of these moments, I think just being inspired by them. You know, these two women that are just pioneers in the field in Indonesia, providing services for people that just needed it. And persevering. They had a long journey. I think they've been with GAP for years and they've been through different supervisors and different roadblocks. And they were just so welcome to learning new things and changing up ideas and working super hard. 
And they just literally like inspired my whole career from there on, you know, it's crazy how much they knew and they hadn't been to school, you know, formally for grad school or anything like that. And we would always tell them, you know, okay, when you get your BCBA, like I'll be back, you know, or something like that. And they, oh, no, 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 we're not going to do that. I'm like, no, no, no. When you do, this is going to happen. You know, I think I was just truly inspired by them and by the families. Mm -hmm. The families were so important to me because they were there and, you know, there were different, there was not a lot of transportation. So they'd come on scooter and the sessions would be one hour and they'd wait the whole hour outside. And the parent training that would be done in 15 to 20 minutes outside, you know, in the heat in Jakarta would just be insane. Mm -hmm. And they would listen and they would practice and we would see them, you know, running trials while we were inside the center. So I think that for me was a very pivotal moment on my school core trip. Nice. Natalie, how about you? What's the moment that surprised, inspired, or moved you? I think for me, and I'm sure we'll talk about this later, but initially I had guilt about going to Prague just because it's such a developed country. And I felt a lot of the people that had fundraised or helped support me thought the same thing. And I was so wrong. Not that it's not a developed country, but when I got there, just seeing everything that these women, it was also all women in ABA Centrum, what they were going through with ABA and it not being accepted by their country. And here, everyone's like, oh, you work with individuals with disabilities. How wonderful. That's not the case over there. Like the employees there, the clinicians there would literally have to wear things over their uniform. Because if not, they were criticized or they were told, why are you working with these individuals? Even their partners, the people that they were with, that they lived with, that they were choosing to share their life with, didn't agree with their career choice. And for me, that was such a big moment because even like the gain, right? We go to grad school to sit for a board exam and the monetary value that that brings. Over there, that's not necessarily the case, right? These individuals are going through FIT courses or all of these things just for the knowledge, not even the monetary gain or the acceptance or the value that that was going to bring. And for me, that was such a moment where I was like, wow, these people are doing this literally for the benefit of their clients. That is it. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was such a big moment. Yeah, you go over there thinking that you're going to be the teacher, right? Like you're going to be teaching them all these things that you know from your experience in your field. And I think I was the student more. <laughs> I learned more about life, more about perseverance, more about just being there for your clients and your families and having those values. You know, for me, that was a pivotal moment. Yeah. And as you said, you know, you're really pushed out of your comfort zone. You're traveling for two weeks with complete strangers. <laughs> yes. And, you know, people come back from these trips saying that their lives have been transformed. Yes. So, what have you learned? I know you kind of mentioned this already, Christina, but what have you learned about yourself? Like, how have you grown personally? And then we can talk about how you've grown professionally. Okay. Well, yes, it is a very life changing experience. I think, you know, if you're going to go on a skill core trip, it's a very big, I don't want to say mental game, but you have to be prepared mentally. You know, I knew that I was going to a country that was going to be very different from where I lived. I knew there wasn't going to be like a Panda Express around the corner. You know, there wasn't going to be a lot of like regular commodities that I was going to have. I was talking with my team members on Facebook for like maybe three months before. And that's how I met them. And then you get there and you're just kind of like, okay, here we go. We're going to go on this trip and we're spending all of our time together, like sleeping in the same room as a stranger, you know, like traveling two days, you know, on a 14 hour flight, then a six hour flight to get there. Mm -hmm. So I think for me personally, my growth is that learning about myself that I can push myself to do anything. I can persevere through any adversity in my life because I did this and and you're kind of like alone you know a lot of the times we have support here you know like I have my parents or my friends if I go through anything but when you're over there like you don't really have a lot of cell service you have to fall back on your team members as well but just learning that you can go through anything it's okay to feel the feels when you're over there but it's not okay to stay in the feels type of thing if you're feeling sad or down for one day. Mm -hmm. But just learning that you can break through any adversity. I think I learned that through the teachers there at the at Rumor Tiara and learning that there's certain steps that you can make in your life to achieve any goal. I really think that that changed my life for the better. And I saw that at the center. 
that it may be small steps and small progress is still progress. Because mm-hmm. if you can go and you can fundraise $5,000 to do this for a special organization, like you can do anything. Nice. Natalie, how about you? How have you grown personally? For me, this was the first time I had traveled alone and I was in Europe. And prior to that, we were in New York. But leaving New York and then getting to Prague, I was sick the first time that we got there. And that weekend, they were touring the city and things like that. So it was a huge bonding moment for the group. And I had to stay back in our hostel. And the next day when I was feeling better and I was able to rejoin the group, I had a huge identity crisis where I felt very introverted. I didn't have a lot of confidence. These are all things that when I'm here in my home, my safe space, I am very extroverted. I'm very confident. I'm like a leader. And while I was there, I was like, oh my gosh, is this really who I truly am? Am I an introvert? Am I not as confident as I think I am? And luckily I had such an amazing leader and we talked about some of these things and it was okay to do the work, to identify that, no, you know, it's okay that other people are forming friendships and relationships and I don't have to be a part of all of them. And I think for a lot of my life, I've always compared myself to others or things like that. And while being there, trying to accept that I do not need to be a part of every friendship, it does not define who I am as a person, as a clinician, as a friend. For me personally, that was the biggest thing was kind of just having that identity crisis and going through it and kind of seeing what it is that I value and appreciating those around me, appreciating those friendships that not that I may not have been a part of them. They were my colleagues and they were part of our group, but I wasn't a part of that bonded friendship, I would say. And that's okay. I could value and appreciate that friendship without it being a reflection of who I am. That was a really, really big step for me. And a part of the entire trip was that identity, my values, and kind of going through those experiences. Yeah, just to add to that, I think Skill Corpus makes you be really, really honest with yourself. You have a lot of time Mm-hmm. to yourself to think about things and think about your life and you're going on a trip and you're going on a trip not for a vacation you know mm-hmm. you're going on a trip to work and for me I was gone for like a long time too from my safe space here in Miami you know mm-hmm. but it's really important to appreciate every part of the journey I think for me too when I went on my trip like I wasn't really on my phone also because I didn't have a lot of cell service but I really wanted to enjoy and be present I think it teaches you personally for me and I know for Natalie as well, like to be present in the moment, you know, to enjoy what you're doing. Because I was thinking like, I may never come back to Indonesia again. You know, I need to appreciate this moment. I need to appreciate this life experience and grow from it. Learn from these people and see where it takes me, you know, and it just made me think about all the important things in life too. Yeah, personally, it was awesome as well, because it wasn't about me. And I think going into it, It was all of these things that it was going to do for me or that I was going to be able to bring to the trip. And for me personally, it was kind of breaking that idea down of this isn't about me and it doesn't matter what I gain from this. So I think that that was part of that identity crisis was, (laughs) girl, sit down. This has nothing to do with you. (laughs) And that being okay. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And it's interesting that you say that about an identity crisis because at the same time, it gives you an opportunity to put on a different side of you. Mm-hmm. Like, you remember at orientation where we do the who can you be exercise? Oh my gosh, yes. I love that. And it's like, if you are a leader in your normal life, maybe you can be a follower on this trip. Mm-hmm. You can kind of reinvent yourself. Because Skill Corps has a lot of leaders. Right. Like a lot of people that are very leader oriented, like very there, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And because you're traveling with people who don't know you from back home, you can, I don't want to say put on a mask or a costume because it's still you, but maybe you can explore different sides of you that you normally wouldn't have been comfortable with. Yeah, we did an exercise. I think it's called the who can you be or where we had to describe one word that we wanted our trip to be. And, you know, some people say I'm caring or something. And I remember picking this word like it just came to me. And I said, on my trip, I wanted to be fearless, right? Not fearless in the in an aspect of like, okay, I want to just, you know, do things that are going to affect my, if I live or not, but be fearless in my decision <laughs> as, as in fear is not going to hold me back in 
what I aspire to do on this trip. So I'm not going to be scared to speak up. I'm not going to be scared to be honest. I'm not going to be scared to put in my two cents. I'm going to be confident in what I'm doing. So for me, I think that was the biggest, one of the biggest things I took away from the trip and in my life now. And I say it in my daily affirmation, like I am fearless in the pursuit of my dreams, goals, and aspirations, you know, like that is what I took away from it, to be fearless in whatever you aspire to do in your life. Yeah. So how has SkillCore helped you professionally? Natalie? I think a big thing for me was going in and realizing that it's not about the knowledge that you bring, but it's honestly about your humility and the connection that you build with these individuals. And honestly, that is my kind of my goal as a supervisor is I passed my certification. It's a hard exam to pass. So clearly that knowledge is there. But are people going to listen to me if I'm not compassionate, if I'm not humble, if I'm not worrying about the connection that I'm building with these individuals and I'm just trying to spit my intellectual abilities at them? And seeing that where a lot of while we were in Prague was building that connection piece. So yes, we're there for a short amount of time and we kind of want to say all the things that we think that we know. But if you don't build a connection in the beginning and show these people what you're Therefore, like I am here to help you, whatever that may be, or together, right? For me, that was a big moment was not rushing and trying to give them information that I think that they needed, but building that connection piece initially and showing humility and working together for the interest of everyone. And as a supervisor, I think that that is at the forefront is building that connection, working together, and honestly, just being humble about the entire process. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. In my experience professionally, how it helped me grow is that, yes, you have to remember in the back of your mind, you are not there for you. There is no personal gain for you there. It's for the other people. I mean, personal gain and personal growth. But I think what that also taught me is that here in ABA, we kind of like, oh, okay, uh, your child has a deficit in this skill. This is what we're going to do. But what I learned over there is that they may want to work on something else. There may be a different socially significant goal in their culture that they want to work on that's more important to them and their family and their child than what I think might be best. I think a lot of the times here in the States, we're like, well, this is evidence-based, this is what we're going to do, and this is the best thing to do, you know? And we have to listen more to our clients and remember, like, we're there for them. We may come in and be like this all know it all, like I have all this knowledge, but we're there to help them. Same thing that Natalie said. And that's what I took back professionally from my trip is that I need to be there for the family and provide my knowledge and be there to collaborate with them and professionally to collaborate better with OT and speech because and special education teachers because when you go on these trips, they're not all behavior analysts or RBTs. There's speech therapists, there's special education teachers, you know, different advocates that go on these trips. So for me, that taught me a lot about collaboration. That taught me a lot about listening, right? Because sometimes when we're leaders all the time, when we're in our own little bubble, we don't really listen because we're, oh, I'm just going to lead, you know, but sometimes we have to take a, st a step back and say, mm -hmm. okay, you know, this is a great idea. You know, when I went on my trip, we were thinking, okay, we're going to go over there and teach them all these ABA principles. And that's not the help they needed at that time. They were doing awesome in their discrete trial training. They were doing awesome with social skills, but they needed help more in the business. And for us, like we need to listen to that and listen to what was going on in their business because we could have just been like, okay, yeah, that's fine, but we're going to do this, you know, but we're not there for that. We're there for them. Yeah. And just to add to that, my first skill core trip was in Uganda in 2018, that same year that you went, Christina. And then I've been to the Netherlands the year after and done some regional visits just by myself going on and visiting the partner sites. And one of the things that I really love about this organization and our philosophy for teaching is the Socratic method. And this is something that I, when I first went to Uganda, I really took it back home with me and applied it to my supervisees and to my families that I was working with. And building those critical thinking skills, right? So that the people that we are training can then take it on themselves. It's like that sustainability piece. Mm -hmm. Like if we're just telling them what to do all the time and, and answering their questions 
how are they going to learn to figure it out on their own the next time? Right. Yeah, that's so true. And it's something when I came back, when I was trying to inform my donors or the people that I was working with what it was that we did, it wasn't that we went in and fixed things. That wasn't the point of it. It was listening to the individuals that we were working with, giving them the tools so that they could be sustainable, so that they can be independent. And the whole you know, message behind the Global Autism Project of do with and not for which I think was super important for people to hear because they kind of thought we were like these saviors. And it, that wasn't it. It was collaborating with the partner sites and how they can eventually fade out of this program and be independent. Yeah, that's so funny that you say that is because, you know, when I came back from my trip as well, even here in the States in the ABA field, you know, I got questions like, oh, yeah, when you went over there, they didn't know anything. And I was like, Actually, no, it was the opposite. They are extremely well-trained, even better than some here, you know? <laughs> so it's just that we're assuming things, you know, and, and advocating for we are there do with and not for. We are there to collaborate. I'm not there to just be a hero, you know, and, and sometimes it has to do with our American culture. But I think, too, growing from that professionally is bringing that to our clinics or wherever we worked and showing other people, no, like even in our supervision, you know, of RBTs, what do you think is best? What do you think you should do? You know, I use that more now too. And it helps them grow. And even with parents as well, it helps them grow to problem solve and do that. And I think a lot of the times we do want to be the hero. We have all this knowledge and we're like, yes, we're behavior analysts, but sometimes we have to take a step back and realize, you know, we need to listen as well. Yeah. You know, so much of our work involves respecting the cultures that we step into, right? Whether it's our partner sites in another country or a family's home, we always have to think about their values and their traditions, whatever is important to them. So what have you learned about cultural humility from doing SkillCore? And how has this influenced your work now? Well, for me, in my experience, I did not know until I think like a week or two before I left to go to Indonesia. That is, Indonesia is a predominantly like Islamic country. So there's a lot of practicing Muslims there and it's very conservative. So I learned a lot about their culture there. It's very different. You know, when you're there, you hear a prayer call. I believe that's what it's called five times a day. And there are different socially significant goals that they might have for their client, for example, reading different books for their religion and things like that, the Quran. And, and it, it's different because, you know, here we think, okay, we're going to put this goal because we think it's socially significant. But maybe for that family, it's not as up on the higher tier of a list, you know, and just being cognizant of different cultures. So, for example, now I ask families, you know, is there anything that I should know about your culture before I start with them that can inform me more on how you would like me to work with your child? You know, are there certain things that you don't want them to see on YouTube? Or, you know, are there certain things that I should know about different holidays that you celebrate? And just being aware of those cultural boundaries. Natalie? For me, I think the biggest lesson that I learned was knowing my place and knowing that I was a visitor in the country that I was visiting and working at um, and learning and taking it all in, being aware of my surroundings, being aware of body language or if we we're being too loud, looking to see if that was something that was appropriate or not appropriate. And then knowing that lesson learned for next time, I'm going to lower my voice. So being aware of those social cues, knowing that I'm a visitor, lessons learned, right? Learning from my experiences, being respectful, just because something's okay in our home doesn't necessarily mean that it's okay in someone else's home. And I think as a professional and as a leader, as a supervisor, I think that's very important and trying to like break down certain preconceived notions or assumptions that one has that my way, my culture, where I live is better than others. No, it's just different. Mm -hmm. And I think when a supervisee approaches me of this person said this about their home, okay, does that make you feel uncomfortable because it's different from what you experience? Is this harmful for this individual? Like kind of breaking down why they think that was so inappropriate and making it a learning experience. It's not bad that you felt that. It's just different than what you experienced and kind of working through that together. And after the global autism trip, a few months after I actually went to India for one of our friends' wedding. And I had just felt 
I'm not going to say that I was super cultured because, but I just felt such a respect and awareness for where I was and the country that I was in. Was it a lot different from what I was used to? Yes, but it was so beautiful to see and not judging and not having these assumptions of where I was, but literally just taking it in and seeing how it is that they do things in their country. I think for me, that was so amazing. I don't know if necessarily I would have experienced that or had that same point of view had it not been for the Global Autism Project. Honestly, I don't think so. Yeah, I also agree with that. And also, I think for me, going on my trip is to you have to realize your own bias. Everybody has different learn histories. And a lot of people on your team have different learn histories from the place that they live. So I think going into that and bringing that back to the States as well. You know, Miami, we're a very big melting pot, we like to say. I grew up with a lot of different cultures, but a lot of people didn't. And my family and Natalie's family, some of our family was not born here in the United States. So when we visit family or we visit certain parts of the world, we're not, you know, as privileged to have certain things. And that's okay. And we have to learn too that when you visit another part of the world, like it's okay if they don't live like you. It's part of their culture or they do certain things. So I think bringing it back to the here in Miami, it was a big part of my programming when I came back to work, you know, understanding different cultures, researching them if I didn't know, and just asking questions, but asking questions in a way like, hey, you know, I don't want to come off as offensive. So I rather ask these questions now than later, because I want to be respectful of your family and your culture and what you do. And if I do have a bias or I'm, I don't really know, I'd rather know now or learn. Yeah, that's such an important point, like the asking questions piece, right? Before assuming anything, leave your biases, like check them at the door and just ask. Mm -hmm. And you might be surprised with the answer. Mm -hmm. So switching topics, you guys have already mentioned the fundraising piece of the Skill Core program, that each person has to fundraise $5,000 to go on the trip, which covers the operational costs for the Global Autism Project. So what was the fundraising experience like for you guys? For me in the beginning, it was another hurdle that I had to overcome. It was being transparent. It was being vulnerable. It was asking individuals for money. And that's the way that I saw it. And I had to put that aside and say, no, this is for a greater cause and kind of informing them of what it was that I was doing. So I'm not going to lie. It was kind of like a part-time job. I was (laughs) um, creating flyers, reaching out to businesses, friends, anything that I could do to kind of create a bigger audience so that I could fundraise as much as I could. It was beautiful though, like watching all those milestones that I was able to accomplish with the help from people that I knew, people that I didn't know, and just seeing how much support I had. Oh, it was so amazing. And then then going on the trip and being able to show everyone what their donation did and what it was for was just so amazing. But For anyone who wants to go on the Global Autism Project and they're kind of nervous about the fundraising piece, don't. It is part of the journey. It is part of the experience. You will grow from it. It is so amazing. And you got this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I remember when I was getting interviewed, like I got accepted to the trip in March and my trip was in July. So I had like three months to fundraise $5,000. And some people had less time. But I remember getting interviewed and they were like, oh, you have any fundraising questions? I'm like, you know what? No, other people did this. Lots of people have done this. So I can do it. Like if they can do it, I can do it. And it is a very hard, difficult task to do. I definitely suggest like if I was also studying for my board exam, like around that time. So I had other stuff going on, but it is kind of like a part-time job. I'm not going to lie. You know, it was a little difficult. You have to look at your community. You have to look at your resources type of thing. And you have to be very creative. And same thing, I went out in my community. I was there like at little fundraising spots, just there with a table with stuff that I had that I was like fundraising with. And you have to be kind of vulnerable. You know, some days you might fundraise zero dollars and that's okay. But some days you might fundraise 500 in one day. You know, it's a journey. Mm -hmm. But you also need to remember that people have done this before. And you can do it as well. And there's a community of people. So for me, I already connected with people on my trip. And I kept asking them like for tips, like, hey, how did you get this? What have you been doing? The language that you use when you fundraise is very important. I reached out to my friends in marketing, to be honest. One of my best friends does marketing. (laughs) So I asked him, you know, how should I phrase this? 
what should I do? He was with social media as well. So I asked him, you know, what should I do on social media? How, what hashtag should I use? You know, different things to just get the word out and just be vulnerable in what you're doing and your mission. You know, I think when people connect to your mission and the mission of the Global Autism Project, it really connects with them with their core. And that's where you get the most out of it. And just reiterating, you know, I'm, I'm doing this for this purpose. Yeah, it's funny how people do get creative with ways to fundraise. This isn't that creative, but I sold cookies at the local parks. <laughs> I did too. I didn't make the cookies. I bought them at Trader Joe's and I just put them in Ziploc bags and I sold them for like $5. Uh-huh. And I was surprised. Like some people were like, no, I don't want any cookies, but here's some money anyway. Yes. So it's about like not being afraid to ask. And you're exactly right. Like if you kind of enroll them in what the mission of the Global Autism Project is, of what Skillcore is, then people will be happy to give. And sometimes they're just looking for a way to give back in some way, but they don't know how, but here you are. Maybe they know you in some form and they trust you. They trust the cause. So then they're more willing to give that way. Right. Yeah. So we've been talking a lot about what you've learned from going on the trips. And given the uncertainty that we've been facing this past year and we continue to still face, are there any lessons you've learned from having done skill core that have helped you cope with the stress of the pandemic? I think for me, the biggest thing, and it was actually what I wanted to be on the trip, the word that I chose was present. So I think if we're looking at the past or we're looking at the future, that's where that anxiety comes in. That's where that uncertainty, that's where all those you know emotional responses kind of come in. But if we're present, I think all of that, that background noise kind of fades. And not saying that, you know, the global pandemic is something that's not a priority or not significant, but we're still able to create change, to have these dialogues. Had it not been for the global pandemic, I don't think that Christina and I would have had the time to create Monday morning coffee. Yes. So I think that there's so much that has come from it and being Honestly, my biggest advice is being present. What can you do now? Because unfortunately, we're not promised tomorrow. And whatever's in the past, you cannot change. So what can I do right now in this moment to be better and to do better? Yeah, and just to piggyback off that, I think when you go on skill court, you're so, again, out of your comfort zone. And you have to like adjust to things that are out of your control. You're in such a different environment than you're used to, such a different setting that you need to adjust. And through this pandemic, we're all like, you took away that I can't go to a restaurant, I can't hang out with my friends. And I think also learning from experiences too. Like, I learned a lot of my friends, part of their identity is being social. Part of me, my coping skills on the weekend was being social with my friends, getting out of the house, and that was taken away from me. So I had to think of different things that I could use in my life to cope with what was going on. And I think also from my trip from Skillcore is that everything serves a purpose in your life, right? So going on that trip and learning all those things, it served a purpose. And it served a purpose for other people that I was around. The friends that I made on that trip that are like two of my best friends now. And this pandemic served a purpose for us. Again, if this happened, I don't think we would have done Monday morning coffee or created it or created other things from it. And I think this pandemic, even though it's terrible and the things that have happened are just can be so horrible to think about sometimes, but there was a purpose in it. You know, it was to be present. It was maybe to spend time more with your family in a little bubble or appreciate more of what's going on. I appreciate the time that I now have with my grandmother more. I appreciate being here and spending time with her and just being appreciative too, like of our job, even through a pandemic, ABA still persevered. We still persevered and did telehealth and we were still able to provide these services. I mean, when this started, we had no idea what was going to go on. I mean, even with GAP, for the fact that you guys are still persevering and keeping going and staying hopeful, I mean, this came out of the pandemic as well. So I think just learning from that too, like, okay, even though this is not what I hoped for in this year and this is not what I hoped for in my future, it's still going to serve a purpose and I can learn from this experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it might come up not right now, but maybe a year from now, right? Like that's sometimes what happens with skill core too, right? Like mm -hmm. 
something will happen in your life and you'll think about your trip and you're like, oh yeah, okay, I get it now. Like the dots are starting to connect. Right. You know, all this talk about traveling is making me itch to want to get back in the field. <laughs> and I really hope we can see our partners soon. I want to go on like a 12-hour trip right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I do know that when we are able to travel again and when SkillCore will be back up and running, this episode will be so valuable for future SkillCore volunteers. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to close with any advice you would offer to them. I know, Natalie, you were talking about fundraising, but just in general, is there anything that you would offer the future SkillCore volunteers? I would just say be open to the experience. Don't have any expectations because they can hold you back. They could be limiting Go with the flow, make friends. Don't worry about what this experience is going to bring from you or what you can do. But honestly, like the biggest advice that I have is just be present. Don't have expectations. Being present, you won't have any regrets. So it's not like you're going to come back and like, I wish I wasn't on my phone or I wish that I spoke to the individuals in my group more or I wish I had more opportunity to have been involved with the center that I was in. If you're present, that will happen and it'll happen naturally and organically. So honestly, that's my biggest advice with fundraising, with the process, with the journey, with the, where you're selected to go. Enjoy it. <laughs> you can go somewhere else next time. Be present. Yeah, nice. I love that, Natalie. That was awesome. <laughs> Christina, how about you? My advice would be, you know, just be present, but be mentally prepared. Before I left, again, I, like I said before, I knew that I was going to a country that was very different from my own. And kind of change your perspective and change your thinking like, okay, I might not have a salad creations around the corner, but I'm going to have different food that I can try, or I'm going to experience different things and be honest with yourself. Be honest when you go to New York for training. I remember this activity we did where it was like a one through five of like, how uncomfortable will you be? And you know, one of the things in Indonesia is like the cars don't have seatbelts. The first two seats have seatbelts and mm -hmm. everybody else doesn't, you know? So really being honest, like, is that going to make me uncomfortable being in the back and being honest with your team and being honest with your leader? If anything bothers you, if you're feeling some type of way where, you know, you had a really bad day and you need some time to yourself, being present and feeling those feelings and being honest with everybody else is going to help your trip out so much more. And just being mentally prepared to say, like, I am going there for the benefit of them. This is for them. It's not for me to post on social media. It's not for me to do this. It's not for me to do that. Like, it's for me to help them. I'm there for the purpose of them. And yes, I will grow and I will learn. But I think when you keep that in mind, it's just going to make your experience so much better. And being open as well and practicing gratitude. If you go into this trip, and you practice gratitude and you're saying, wow, I'm having two weeks of just this amazing experience that I'm going to get to go through in my life. And I may never have it again. And that's okay. But I'm going to be thankful for every moment. I'm going to be thankful for every lesson. And I'm going to be thankful for every interaction I have at this center and what I can grow from. I think that will just really give you a great experience. Yeah, wonderful advice from both of you. Thank you so much for sharing your stories with us. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having us on. How can people learn more about you? Right now, we have an Instagram. You can follow us at Onward Behavior. On there, you can see all of our updates for a Monday morning coffee, tips, advice, study resources, a day in the life of analysts. And then my personal Instagram is at Nat Odio, N-A-T-T-O-D-I-O. Also, for our podcast on Monday Morning Coffee, you can search us on Apple and on Spotify. So remember, the Monday, the M-O is capitalized. And my personal Instagram is at 3 Chris Marie. <laughs> Perfect. And I'll post a link to your podcast and your social media in our show notes. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Amazing experience. I love being on here. We're truly grateful for this interview. <laughs> yeah. Very nostalgic. So thank you for having me recall past events. I needed it right now. It kind of fueled my cup. Uh, so I can't yeah. wait for everyone to listen. Thank you again for having us. Yes, of course. Mm -hmm. Thanks for inspiring us, uh, fellow podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to Autism Knows No Borders. SkillCore is more than a two-week trip. It's a movement for change. Unfortunately, due to the pandemic, we've had to temporarily pause travel to our international partner sites. 
The exciting news is that our team is finally reassembling to explore what SkillCore will look like in the future. If you're a professional working in the field of autism education and you're looking to advance your life and career, SkillCore is an opportunity you don't want to miss. For more information about our SkillCore program, please listen to episodes 4 and 17, featuring roundtable discussions with other members of our community. Join our waiting list at globalautismproject.org forward slash SkillCore to be the first to know when applications open again. And stay tuned for announcements coming up soon. Thanks for listening. Take care. Tune in each week for engaging conversations of how people across the globe are inspiring change and building community. You've been listening to Autism Knows No Borders, brought to you by the Global Autism Project. You can find Rachel's notes for this episode and learn more about today's guests at autismknowsnoborders.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please kindly rate the show and leave a review. By doing so, you'll be helping us increase awareness and acceptance of autism around the world.